I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched Disney's The Black Cauldron, which is the first uh, of our Halloween Spookaboo episodes. You did it again. Did it again. Which is the first of our Halloween Spookaboo episodes for this year. Spookaboo. Anyways. (laughs) Mom is impersonating the Horned King right now. You're missing missing some of it because there's some visuals. She's really acting with her hands here, which is an important component. Uh, yeah, she's re- she's killing it. You can't see it, but she's killing it. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> it's real spooky. It's real spooky, Mom. You're freaking us all out. It's a good way to start off our Halloween spooky blue. So, nope. Uh, <laughs> spookaboo. Boo, boo. I did end it with boo, but we, I said spoop or something. No, yeah. you said blue. No, I got... Mm. We need to have something where a whole little thing where we say dwarves. No, and we say <laughs> no. I'm being bullied. Don't call out Danica. With no, supercut of whenever she says things in an adorable so way. Cute. No, don't do it, guys. <laughs> okay. Wow, I can't believe on my own podcast. <laughs> I love you guys very much. And we're love shifting, you too. so we're shifting from Spookaloo to Spookaboo. Yes, Spookaboo. Yes, Spookaboo. Yes, because ghosts. Yes, which aren't in this movie. There are skeletons, though. Creepy skeletons. Yes. Yeah. Um. Okay. So this film is loosely based on the first two books in the Chronicles of Perdane uh, series by Lloyd Alexander, which is like a series of five novels. Um, it's directed by Ted Berman and Richard Rich, who directed Disney's previous animated film, The Fox and the Hound, in 1981. And it was the first Disney animated film to be recorded in Dolby Stereo, as well as the first Disney animated film to receive a PG rating. Mm. Um, being the most expensive animated film ever made at that time, it was a box office bomb, Ooh. grossing just $21 million against a budget of $44 million, putting the future of Disney's animation department in jeopardy. Adding insult to injury, the film was also beaten at the box office by the Care Bears movie, $22.9 million domestically, which was released four months earlier by the much smaller Canadian animation studio Nelvana. Uh, I believe, if, I'm, if I am remembering correctly, Nelvana is the ones who did... The movie that we saw, Valerie, where with the mice and like the future and they play rock opera stuff. And the, guy, and the main I'm character sure, guy sucks. Um... What was that called? Is that one Rock and Roll? I think so. I believe Nelvana is the people who did that. And then they also did the Care Bear movie, which did better than this movie did. Uh, At least domestically. I think um, this movie made made a decent amount of money overseas, but still not enough to not be considered a failure. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who would like to give a spoiler-free plot synopsis of this movie? I would need help, but I mean, do you want to go for it? Go ahead. I was going to wing it. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll give it a try, I say. All right, so basically a young boy goes on a, it's kind of a quest movie. I mean, a young um, boy who is a... Assistant pigkeeper. Yeah, I couldn't think of of assistant. Like, oh, sorry. Was an assistant pigkeeper, has been charged to keep this special pig who can see into magical, like the the future or where things are, or I guess where things are more. Yeah, has magic Um, visions. Yeah, macular pig. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, then he, yeah, he kind of fails epically. <laughs> yeah. He ha- well, he has to leave because the Horned King, like, found out that this pig has power. So he has to leave and take her somewhere safe. Right. But I just then mean, fails yeah, spectacularly yeah, yeah, because he's, yeah, not, not, but anyway, but ultimately he kind of, you know, finds himself, um, he ends up in the, um, there is a evil Horned King uh, who wants this black cauldron that would give him powers that the pig would know how to locate. Um, and so it, it is a series of first the young boy trying to rescue the pig, then the young boy getting held captive, uh, meeting some other characters along the way, a young princess, a minstrel. And ultimately it comes down to kind of, I don't know, good versus evil, um, you know, and they also meet another little character. You really aren't sure what kind of little, it, it's a little creature that, um, and so really, in the end, friendship wins the day. Sure. Yeah. What, without spoilers, did we think of this movie? I thought it was, I, I thought it was cute. I, I mean, I, you know, it, it was, uh, it was um, not the best movie I've ever seen, but I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, you know, I think there was some good character development, but I think it was lacking in some parts, you know. Um, and of course, you know, it had a few problematic as far as, you know, damseling our little our little lead female and things like that, you know, but, uh, but overall I thought it was, I thought it was fairly cute. It was, it was slow. Uh, there was a lot going on and there, there's a lot going on. And yet a lot of times it feels like nothing important is going on. Yeah. Which is a weird place to be in. Yeah. Not a lot of, of character development. I think like you kind of alluded to, um, to be fair, I did not off once. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I did <not. laughs> Uh, there's uh, some stuff looked cool, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but overall it it wasn't super interesting to really. I I agree that it's kind of boring. Um, there are some, there are some parts that I like, but I don't know if there's any parts that I like enough to really make me want to see this again. I, I didn't, I've watched it in the past and didn't, wasn't really looking forward to it. And this didn't do anything to dissuade that opinion it's it's meh um i i know it's kind of become a cult classic but there's better cult classics it's just not that good i don't know yeah i don't think it's terrible yeah i think it's more uninteresting than it is bad yeah and if i don't know if this makes any sense because this is what i'm about to say is i feel like a lot of times the opposite in movies that i'm not very interested in the thing I think I like the best about this movie is some of the little characters and their relationship. I was more attached to them than the overall movie itself. The movie itself, like you were saying, uh, you both, uh, it didn't do as much for you. Yeah. I mean the movie itself and, and the, the overall big plot point, uh, was made it kind of slow and was not as interesting as the individual moments and some, some cute character moments together. Like I said, it wasn't quite there. There was still a little, you know, some lacking, but they did a lot more right. At least, yeah, I, I was rooting for the characters, which is not the case in some of the ones that we've seen yeah, where definitely. I had no attachment to them. So yeah, so I, it's, yeah, so I'm pretty much on the fence or probably on the fence of not recommending it, but we'll see after our discussion. Let's get specific. Let me give you a couple production notes. Walt Disney Productions uh, optioned Lloyd Alexander series in 1971, and pre-production work began in 1973 when the film rights to Alexander's book were finally obtained. 
Because of the numerous storylines and with over 30 characters in the original series, several story artists and animators worked on the development of the film throughout the 1970s, when it was originally slated for release in 1980. Veteran artist Mel Shaw created inspirational conceptual pastel sketches, which future Disney president and CEO Ron W. Miller considered to be too advanced for the animators. Therefore, in August 1978, the studio pushed its release date back to Christmas 1984. Various creatives drifted in and out of the project, including Tim Burton, who provided character artwork, British screenwriter Anne Sisson, it's S-I-S-S-O-N, and animators John Musker and Ron Clements. Burton's artwork was discarded, while Sisson, Musker, and Clements left the project over creative differences. After their departure, Musker and Clements began development on The Great Mouse Detective. Uh, which is, I haven't seen that for a bit, feel like they made the better movie. (laughs) Uh, During development of the project, Ron Miller was replaced as CEO of the company by Michael Eisner, and Jeffrey Katzenberg was brought into the company as studio chairman. So yeah, let's let's get some specifics in here. What do we think of the story, the characters? Um, what do we think of that adorable chunky kitty that was in the beginning of the movie? Love it. I love that cat. I wish I could have seen more of the cat. I know, right? <laughs> uh, although, although Henwin is also very cute. Yes, very cute. Yeah, the little pig, absolutely adorable. Um, now, I, I would be interested on your take on this, because since, since we are talking about stories and characters. Yeah. As menacing and, and scary and creepy as the Horn King was, uh-huh. he was a very weak villain. He, he was just... There was... I mean... He was the most menacing to the little sidekick. He wasn't really... Which is weird because their relationship was like like a weirdly slapstick comedy almost thing, which feels like it undermines his menace if all he's doing is just like throttling a cartoon character. I don't know. It does... Yeah. I like the Horned King's design. I think he looks dope. Who Kudos to whatever person designed him um but the actual character isn't very interesting at all yeah i mean because we've talked about in other movies i mean he never really put our our protagonist our little hero our little friend group in in really in danger he the himself. time when he was going to he then got splashed in the face and like that completely removed him as a threat temporarily <laughs> which yeah. is like this was just water, right? Or like maybe wine or something. I mean, I can I can buy if it's like in Oracle stuff, it might be like sure. a hot or something. Who knows? But but yeah, like is he is he human? Is he just demon skeleton? I don't know. Like his design insinuates that he should be utterly terrifying, but so much about the actual plot and then his relationship with the weird sidekick character. It, it doesn't add up into a character that actually feels that intimidating. And yeah. and intimidating isn't enough to make a character interesting. He's just boring. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think some of the... I, I think they had to tone down, if I recall from, like, videos that we've watched about this, they had to tone down its creepiness or goriness or something. They had to tone down some of the violence, yeah. And so maybe... And and I think they they channeled that into this creeper cre- creeper right that's the sidekick that character of, of him intimidating that creature. Well, the things that were cut, I think, were cut well after the point where all creeper scenes were animated, though. Sure, but I'm just saying, like, well, 
that it, it might have been more intimidating if you were intimidating the men. Sure. But no, it's this little mm-hmm. creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't it's know. also if the part where you see all the guys in the mess hall and they're like having a fun time and then like it goes silent and then like it his his introduction there is really like spoopy and menacing but we had literally already seen him earlier in a scene so it kind of like takes away from this like reveal is what it feels like when yeah. he'd already been revealed and my understanding based on a YouTube video that I saw where they got basically all the original storyboards was that that scene that you first see him in was originally later in the movie and was bumped up by Katzenberg because he wanted the villain to be seen earlier in the movie which I think was a mistake yeah. I, I don't think it like totally ruins him or whatever because nothing's really going to save him and make him that interesting but it does take away from that that moment that feels like it's supposed to be his reveal because I think it originally was yeah I mean because the thing is you have this this scary creepy huge I guess I'm so sorry it reminded me of Lord of the Rings in so many ways like um you know the Lord of the Rings is an influential work yeah I mean but so you have this terrifying you know castle dungeon uh deviled you know king that you know looks like you know this this looks like you know could be from Mount Doom and you know or the sure. and um he's got a skull yeah, face going on yeah and there's there's just again there's really nothing terrifying that happens I mean yeah, like, he looks intimidating, and that's about it. I mean, yeah, and even you know the the, the boy, the pig, you know, the the princess. None of them really were. I mean, you know, I, I know this is a movie, but they weren't even hardly mussed around, you know, or thrown around, or or you know, or you know, at the edge of oh no, they were going to be dropped into something, whatever. Until the you know, I guess spoiler sections, but I mean, so yeah, I mean, it, for for. You have to believe that your villain is going to do something. And yeah. I just it's, never... Yeah, is going to do the thing that everything in the environment is telling you he's going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he and everything in the environment tells me this man just kills people haphazardly when they anger him. Except he doesn't. He just keeps choking out the guy who, ma- who makes him mad the most. Yeah. Which isn't that threatening like that feels more like a slapstick routine yeah just he's like send him to the dungeon and it's like i would why wouldn't he just kill this kid yeah or <laughs> just like just you could say dispose of him and then he, sure yeah instead of just send him to the dungeon just like dispose yeah. of him and then like somehow he gets away from the guys or they there's an intermediate step where then he he, you could even, if you want, like, to paint Creeper as slightly sympathetic, have him make the decision to not kill the kid. Like, I don't know. There's ways that you can do it that doesn't undermine the Horned King's menace. Yeah. yeah. So, agreed that. But again, even if even if he was just more menacing, that still doesn't feel like enough to make him a good villain. Yeah. He just needs more personality. Yeah. I don't know. He's one of the coolest. He either needs villains, more personality not, or to like just yeah. yeah be whole hog on the like super evil and scary and like you are terrified every time this guy's around. But he's neither. Yeah. So yeah, Taryn wasn't really likable at all. Taryn is so boring. <laughs> and then I don't buy his journey. And then later he's like, oh, also guess what, guys? I'm sexist too. So here you go. And I'm like, thanks. That's 
it's really what your character needed to be rounded and relatable. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, he's boring. He's so boring. Are you talking about the little boy? Yeah. yeah. Taryn's so uninteresting. Yeah. I just don't care. I just don't care about him and his struggles. Nope. I didn't, I don't, I didn't have as negative of a reaction as you all. I mean, again, I, that he is one of the characters that I feel like, um, again, was, was lacking, you know, the nuance and, mm-hmm. and the development, but I liked him. I mean, you know, he, dumb young kid, what, what can yeah. I say is, but, but he, I don't know what it was about him that I didn't dislike about like some of the other movies that we've seen, and I just had no no feelings or attachment. Or what was what was the one where um, Sinbad? Sinbad, yeah. I was no, like, he doesn't have the yeah. like cocky swagger. Yeah, thing. and I think that's wise because I mean he 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 would seem remorseful. Again, he kept making stupid mistakes, but um, you know, you I were able to view him yeah. as like a kid yeah. who's trying yeah. and he is just, foolish. Yeah. But and they made him at least to me. He was very you know especially that the teacher and me especially teaching high school. He seemed way young. Like 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 a junior high, early junior high kid yeah. age. So he just seemed very much like a, a young kid to me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, for me it was, his intro was very like reminiscent of Luke Skywalker, but like worse mm. of wanting to be in this war or whatever without knowing the cost of it, like what the actual thing is. And then he was so mean to Gurgi when you first met him of just like threatening harm wielding this stick at him yeah um for an apple yeah there's a bunch of trees can you not find another one i don't know and then when he got the sword just like the over reliance on it i I don't know there wasn't a lot that aspect bothered me at first but then it kind was like kind of built into his character arc so it it bothered me less but yeah i it's not enough of a character arc, I think. Yeah, I think part of it was it was a, a pretty shallow journey yeah. as well. Like, it would be one thing if there were a more heartfelt turn. Yeah, like, I, I didn't really buy it or didn't feel like it earned the turn that he had. Yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't quite there for me, but I, I liked that it was almost there for me. Is I yeah. think why I kind of like him at the end, the choices that he made. Um, but but yeah, it was it wasn't as big of a jump as some some movies that we've watched and 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 seen. Um, but it, but I did need more to really buy it. I want to talk about Gurgi. Gurgi's voice is annoying, and I don't like it. And I can't decide if his design is cute or not. I think the mustache is throwing me off. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, it makes him feel like he's like. A middle-aged little creature. Yeah. It's a weird choice. Yeah. He he wasn't that... Okay, to me, his voice absolutely was Gollum. I swear he sounded like Gollum. He's like a more and annoying so many, Gollum. Yeah, and so many of the things... Even, again, just so many of his intonations and things that he said and, and even phrases, how, you know, he's leaving... It's Crunchy not a complete sentence. Yeah. Um, was so much like Gollum. It just, and then calling him Master? Why was he calling him Master? I don't know why he was that calling him Master. It's he'd go a between choice. saying, you're my friend, to saying Master. Really. Yeah. yeah. I think my biggest problem with Gurgi is that, without getting into spoilers, 
he's kind of supposed to, in a way, be an emotional core of the movie. And I don't feel like we ever get to know him well enough for that to work. Mm -hmm. Like the first time we meet him is just randomly in the forest. Taryn's being mean to him. And then before we've really gotten to know him very well, Taryn's mean to him up on a cliff and then like leaves and calls him a coward. And I'm like, I mean, I wouldn't, go into the scary castle for a dude I just met in the woods who was mean to me the whole time either. Yeah, like, why yeah, should I, I feel yeah. it It doesn't, I don't like buy that Gurgi's sad about being abandoned. And I also don't buy this attempt at setting up Gurgi's character arc of being a coward. It's not a very strong start to either their relationship or what is supposed to be Gurgi's like main character arc. So it just leaves me feeling like, what's this character here for? And then he doesn't appear for like another 20, 30 minutes again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just, he's supposed to be a big deal based on how the movie ends. But he's not in enough of the movie or enough of a, a part of it for me to care that much. It's not like I hate him. I just don't feel much of anything. I don't know. This is kind of it for me, I think, after even us just hearing us talk. I liked, I liked the characters. I liked, uh, I liked Taryn. I liked Gurgi. I liked the princess. I forgot her name. Alonwin. Um, Alonwin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, even the minstrel. Even, even, even the little, um, <laughs> yeah. even the little, uh, fairy kings, you know, and, and, and that. Oh, I don't care grouping. about them at all. I know. I mean, they're just like, but, but they're, Okay. But the writing wasn't strong enough for me to just really get to know them and like them. I I mean, I feel like they were all good starts and they could have been really good. But like they needed more drafts to like. Yeah, they just needed better writing. Yeah. I don't know what else. You know, it's kind of like some of the things we see where like it's a good actor or actress or voice actor. But you're like, they did the best they could with what they had, but it wasn't. But it was poor writing. I, I, I'm just kind of feeling like that. It just wasn't strong enough. Yeah. yeah. There was a lot in the film that maybe they could have trimmed to give more. Well, the mm-hmm. thing is that they did trim a lot from the film. I mean, that's fair. So some of the choices of what was kept are sometimes baffling. Uh, this kind of leads me into giving you some more fun facts specifically about the cuts to this film. Shortly before the film's initially planned 1984 theatrical release, a test screening for the rough cut of the film was held at the studio's private theater in Burbank, California. After the film, particularly the climactic cauldron-born sequence, proved to be too intense and disturbing for the majority of the children in the audience, most of whom ran out of the theater in terror before it was even finished, Jeffrey Jeffrey Katzenberg ordered certain scenes from the Black Cauldron be cut, as a result of the length and the fear that their nature would alienate children. Since animated films are generally edited in storyboard form using Leica reels, later known as animatics, uh, storyboards shot sequentially and set to temporary audio tracks, producer Joe Hale objected to Katzenberg's demands. Katzenberg responded by having the film brought into an edit bay and editing the film himself. Informed of what Katzenberg was doing by Hale, Michael Eisner called Katzenberg in the editing room and convinced him to stop. Though he did what Eisner insisted, Katzenberg requested that the film be modified and delayed its scheduled Christmas 1984 release to July 1985 so that the film could be reworked. 
The film was ultimately cut by 12 minutes, with existing scenes rewritten and reanimated for continuity. Many of the cut scenes involved extended character interactions, but other trims involved violent content, including the undead cauldron-born who are used as the Horn King's army in the final act of the film. While most of the scenes were seamlessly removed from the film, the cauldron-born sequence contains rather recognizable lapses between the removal of the scenes of the cauldron-born mauling the henchmen, as well as one of them being dissolved by the mist, uh, which creates a jump in the film soundtrack and there are a lot of other things that were cut based on the youtube video i saw where he had the complete storyboards one of the characters who was most hurt by all the cuts was Fluterflam, who had a lot of like lines and reactions and stuff that characterized him that were just chopped just removed and was that the minstrel yeah um yeah Yeah, there's a lot of stuff for him that's cut. And then also, one of the biggest things that was cut, do you remember after they get the cauldron from the witches, and then it's there, and then the witches come back in a cloud and say, silly boy, you can't destroy it. Did it seem weird to you that she said that because they never said anything to the witches about wanting to destroy it, Mm -hmm. only that they wanted it? Mm -hmm. That's because there's a scene where they all try to destroy it to no avail that's just cut. (laughs) And that's really weird because it's like, yeah, because it's like really important to the story and maybe we could have cut the scene where a frog was in a fat lady's boobs instead of that yeah (laughs) like i yeah i or the whole fairy stuff because i that part was so boring to me i did not care about those fairies um like that's a really weird thing to cut and then there's another thing that i will talk about in spoilers that was a another middle finger to fluter flame in particular but yeah there there's a lot of little things that are cut and some of like the stuff that gets focused on by fans is like the violence but the stuff that bothers me more is the character stuff yeah. and like the plot stuff, like seeing our characters whose goal is to destroy this evil object, not even attempt to destroy it. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird choice. And that's, is that why they all look sad when you see them next? Yeah. So that's just so silly. Yeah. It's ba- It's a baffling decision. Because, because then you really, I guess what you're left of, that they want to destroy it, and then they're going to take these witches who keep trying to, like, you know, trick them their word for it that they can't destroy it. Yeah, you know? right. That, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah. And, yeah, that they don't even try. Yeah. Bad choice. <laughs> Very. Ugh. You know, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> You're just no like. No wonder they did so bad. Like, can't, don't they have anyone more? Oh, my gosh. I cannot even believe. Didn't you say Eisner? Or who was it? No, it was tried- Katzenberg. Katzenberg. Founder of Quibi Quibi and also the guy who wanted to cut part of your world from The Little Mermaid. (laughs) Imagine The Little Mermaid without that song. Is he also the one responsible for taking out the song? He is the one responsible for that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You are on my, he is on my list. The Muppet Christmas Carol, the song uh, When Love Is Gone. You need that song. is behind that that song's removal. You are on my list. You are on my list. Don't worry, Mom. He already, he doesn't work at Disney anymore. And again, he is the creator of Quibi, which, I mean, it didn't do well. Yeah, okay. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, he he had some bad. He made some bad decisions, and uh, this was. I mean, I he. I don't know that he's necessarily completely wrong with this film, that it probably needed some edits to be more accepted by the public. The violence that was in it might have indeed been too much. And I don't think he made the specific decisions as to what was cut for this, like cutting the part where they try to destroy the cauldron. I think he just said, you need to cut it by however much and before this date. So I'm not sure that he was directly behind those decisions. And this is one of the things, this is one of his intrusions into editing a movie that bothers me the least um, because I can agree that this film was flawed and was never going to be perfect anyways. But but this is what, it does what, feel like there were better things that could have been cut. Yeah, but this is what boggles my mind that I just can't. There's no one with the brains that looks at this thing and be like, you know what? We really do need the part where they're they're trying to destroy the cauldron. I mean, why didn't they just go back and add that back and cut something else? I mean, no one... Nope. Gosh, jeez. Yeah. Other character-wise, mm-hmm. uh, the Princess Alonwin wasn't... I bad. wanted like, to like her more than I did. Well, she yeah. didn't have the chance to do no. it. Exactly. Yeah. That's and the I, problem. Yeah, and I, and I will talk in the House and Hold Up section, but they did what they do with so many female characters. She actually started out great. She didn't need to be rescued. I mean, she was like doing great. She rescued him. And then all of a sudden, you know, he had to hold her hand and, and, and come with me and I'll save you, you know? And yeah, because I, I, you know, I liked her overall, but not what they did with her. Uh, yeah. And then, so we know Fluter Flam got, Got really screwed over by the cuts. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, like what? What from what I see, it's just he's effectively not there except for a part at the end. Yeah, his main thing is that scene at the end. Uh, Which if it feels like that's a scene that needs to be built to more, but we don't see enough of his character to like feel like that's a big like defining moment for the character. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and they have the the joke with his harp. That is hinted at, and it, I guess it doesn't need to explicitly be said that when he lies, the the Strings. string breaks. But it's it's I think just a part migrated from the story. That's not that doesn't do anything here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think a lot of just overall the characters don't really serve the movie well overall. I don't feel like it was good to have Creeper exist. <laughs> I no, feel I like done without him. for one Creeper, you need to leave him. He's not good for you. But for two, as far as the actual, like he just, if he did, if he does still exist in this movie, he needs to have less direct contact with the Horned King because every time it's, it just feels like a bit and it's weird to have your super intimidating villain have a bit with this like tiny little side character henchman guy. I don't know. It's I, honestly now that you mention it, it feels like he. It's like a Gaston LeFou thing almost but, with like the slapstick and like hurting him and stuff. But right, but is he like second in command because he's giving orders based on what the Horn King says, but whenever he was in the mess hall with all the guys, they would barely let him eat. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like, it's like what is sense. his 
Yeah, that doesn't make sense now that I think about it. Yeah, I don't know. Because they weren't. Um, I'll tell you who he reminded me more of, and I don't know if Hercules had already come out, but like they were Mom, trying. This was 1985. Hercules is 1997. Oh, okay. Okay. And during okay. the Renaissance, okay, this is before it, that. Okay. Okay. No, no, that's all right. I just, yeah, didn't, wasn't on my timeline. What does he remind you of? But he reminds me of, um, Oh, the two characters. Oh, that, Pain and Panic. Pain and Panic. Sure. That's what he reminds I'm like, are they trying to ha- have a Pain and Panic situation? I would much rather one? have had Pain and Panic. No, 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 I know. But that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just this, but I think know. tonally you're not far off, yeah. which is like the tonal difference between Hercules and the Black Cauldron is vast. Like yeah. Hercules is a straight up comedy. Uh, the, it, that kind of character in any form just doesn't really work well in this movie as you can't have the wacky henchman character when your villain is supposed to like just be straight up intimidating mm-hmm. like yeah it just doesn't it work it works fine in hercules because hades is not like someone you're supposed to totally take seriously you know that he can caught like he can definitely back up his menace but he's also f- a funny guy mm-hmm. you know like the LeFou and and Gaston, like Gaston, it, it like has moments that show that he's not just menace. He's just he's a bullhard. Like he's he's a big cocky jerk. Like you can have that relationship with a with a side with a henchman, but it doesn't work when he's supposed to be this intimidating skull faced man who wants to raise an army of undead. Like it just, it doesn't work for the tone of this film. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, uh, the points where it doesn't work out for the villains, whenever your villain is like that should be the underlings messing up or overlooking things. But then kind of the buildup is where the villain was, uh, too like, the hub his hubris gets him. Yeah. But the way that it was structured here didn't not that it was wrong because it didn't fit that, but it just yeah, like he was undermined by his interactions with Creeper. And and yeah, like there was nothing to for us to believe that he was as scary as he said he as he seemed to be. Yeah. And also there isn't much of a motive or what I mean is that there was nothing set up for the ultimate where he's going to raise this army of the dead to to destroy the world or whatever he said at the beginning um, and, you know, and, and at the end. For what? Like, it, it's, okay, so. Because he wants to be a god among men. Yeah. It's like, but oh, compelling. Make, but how does that make him, I mean. What it doesn't do feel for, like it does. Yeah, it, it doesn't tie up enough how, would, would that give him some kind of power? Would that make him rule over all their souls? I mean. Th- like, I don't, don't need have, his motivation to be complicated but i need it to be coherent yeah because okay so you yeah you're going to be a god by by murdering everyone how how will that work i just yeah i that doesn't that doesn't make any sense no yeah that does feel baffling yeah i guess i can see wanting the intro like him being in the intro to either explain himself or establish his motivations but maybe it could have been like consequences of a battle that he led to show he's a bad dude and he doesn't care if whatever town gets uh raised or anything like that but without showing himself and like you mentioned earlier spoiling the 
the reveal of him. It's like, oh, who who would be this evil to like do this to the land? And then you had um, Dalbin talk about the war or the Horn King or whatever. And so that would kind of give you, it's like giving you little breadcrumbs before this reveal. And, and maybe there could have been some telling about, I don't know, maybe you see, maybe you see him destroy a village to look for the cauldron. So that kind of ties into what he's doing and what he's willing to do to get what he wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I would know I that would have been good. You you just you needed something again that not only would that show his motivation but it would it would make him seem like he was a villain and 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 someone that you needed to fear. He's either got to be more interesting or way more scary. Mm-hmm. Like he he's too much in a middle ground here. Mm-hmm. We're just back on the Horn King again. Yeah, uh, yeah. you guys ready to go to some animation stuff? Yeah. Yes, yes. All right. I have uh, two fun facts. Writer Vance Gary adapted the Horned King into a big-bellied Viking who had a red beard, firing temper, and wore a steel helmet with two large horns. Displeased with Vance Gary's concept for the Horned King, producer Joe Hale turned the Horned King into a thin creature donning a hood and carrying a spectral presence with shadowed face and glowing red eyes. His role expanded into a composite villain of several characters from the books. So... Joe Hale, good job with the visual design. Character needed more work, though. Yeah. Um, the film. This film was the first Disney animated film to feature computer-generated imagery. This technology was used in the film to animate bubbles, a boat, a floating orb of light, and the cauldron itself. Though The Black Cauldron was released a year before The Great Mouse Detective, both films were in production simultaneously for some time, and the computer graphics for the latter were done first. When producer Joe Hale heard about what was being done, the possibilities made him excited, and he made the crew from The Great Mouse Detective Project create some computer animation for his own movie. For other effects, animator Don Paul used live-action footage of dry ice mists to create the steam and smoke coming out of the cauldron, and also, I suspect, a certain scene with clouds in the sky. Yeah. Um... Here are some of my notes. There's some spooky looking trees in the forest, but they don't hold a candle to the ones from Snow White. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the shots where the dragons are chasing Henwin and like the ground is animated as she's like running and stuff. And like there's there's mm-hmm. there's this real sense of like momentum and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those were those were neat. Good job. Uh, whoever did those or it could, it's probably multiple people. Good job. Um, there are some shots where Taryn just looks really weird against the background. Mm -hmm. Um, This happens kind of throughout the movie a little bit, but is most glaringly apparent during the scene on the cliff where he's talking to Gurgi and the clouds are swirling behind him and Gurgi. And like, they don't, they look, they don't look like they're meshed with that scene. It looks so weird. <laughs> I don't like how it looks. The too many times in this movie, I was very aware of the issue that some people have with traditional animation and of of um the characters looking like stickers pasted onto backgrounds. I think that came up with Klaus where he kind of talked about how he wanted to get away where the the director kind of talked about how he wanted to get away from that look. And generally I don't feel that way with most 
traditional animated movies like Aladdin and, and Beauty and the Beast and all the Disney stuff like it, it feels like those character designs mesh well enough with the background that I don't feel a disconnect but something like All Dogs Go to Heaven 2 where the backgrounds look like totally different style than the characters on top or this where just sometimes sometimes the characters just feel like they're on a different plane of existence than the background they're inhabiting. And Mm -hmm. it's not the whole movie, but there's when it, that just makes when it happens that it feels so off putting. And the, the worst contender is being on that cliff with the cloud swirling. It's so weird looking. It's like, I think it's that dry ice or something. Like it, it looks like live action footage with sticker cartoon characters on top. It's really weird looking. I don't like it. I don't want to forget to say this. This isn't really animation, but I totally forgot. I had a really good, uh, bad jump scare. Oh, <laughs> he did. Her. Yes. <laughs> it's like one of, they were in the running. Terrence like sneaking the, around. I think the, he's trying to find a lawn way. Yeah. Lawn and, way. and one of the big soldiers came around there and it was like, Whoa! Yeah, I, so yeah. I can see why our little kids I mean, maybe so they lost some of them out the theater on that one. <laughs> um, anyway, but, uh, but no, um, I I did like the animation. Now, I mean, Overall. everything that you're saying is yeah. I liked the look of it. I liked the contrast between. Well, first of all, I liked the design of, of course, the Horn King that we talked about. Um, I liked the design of uh, of you know that castle, the dungeon, all the ground around there was very very menacing. Uh, and dark and I mean good use I think overall of textures shadows things like that and then I love the contrast with um, and I can't think of his name but where little the little uh, pig and and the boy and all of them started out the that um, beautiful Terrence the boy the pig is Henwin right but the man that that the the cabin they were in or the, the house oh Dalvin yeah, yeah like where they lived yeah where they lived it just I was like I, I think I said I the movie started yeah, yeah it just like... it just it was just this beautiful like you know almost like snow white you know panning in on the little cottage there in the woods yeah. or something it was just it was just beautiful but so I love that contrast between the coloring and and the mood that it would evoke in and then that back and forth. Um, I, I, th- I think that was well done. And again, overall, I really, I like the actual design and drawing and, you know, and textures. Did you guys notice after they escaped um, the castle with Fluterflame and everything, and then it goes and he's like finishing singing a song and it shows um, Alonwi and Taryn like sitting on logs and, her face and mouth moves like she's going to say something. And then it cuts to a different angle of her sitting on the thing. And she's not talking and then goes and says things. And it's, it's, it's an awkward cut. She was, she said something that was cut from the film, probably not because of what she said, but just for time, Mm -hmm. but they didn't cut early enough to like prevent you from seeing it look like she's about to talk. See, why not? Why, why isn't that caught? I don't get it. <laughs> well, it's it's it's, hard. it's difficult, especially this is pre where they're doing all of it digitally. It's hard to cut. Like you're not really supposed to cut animated film after it's animated and done. Yeah. Like it's yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, I liked whenever uh, the the oracle or the prophecies were going on, like the lighting reflected off of there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes faces and things like that mm-hmm. um there was a few times in the film where where characters i think especially whenever they 
meet the fairies where there's things that are kind of blurry. Yeah, I don't know why that is. It reminds me of All Dogs Go to Heaven that had that problem sometimes. And I'm wondering, I, I, I feel like it's degradation of some sort. Like, I don't know why it looks like that. Yeah. That it, fe- it feels like, I don't know why it would be purposeful. And then there was, I think when we first met Fluter, he his style was sometimes, his animation style was sometimes different than the other characters compared to when it was like just him it was more sketchy, sketchy yeah. like uh the rescuers or something like that mm, okay. uh but he didn't he wasn't like it all the time like it was just for a couple of scenes so yeah. i wonder if they had to redo some stuff and kind of i don't know cut corners or whatever yeah poss- possibly i'm not sure I did also like the animation of the black cauldron and then the uh, the green mist and everything coming out over. I, yeah, I, I thought sure. that was really, really neat. I liked the animation of the three witches who felt like they were purposefully animated more cartoony mm-hmm. than the mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. Um, because they would they would do things like stretch or like pull their ear, do different things that like made them feel when the others aren't animated that way, it kind of makes them feel almost otherworldly, which is appropriate because they are. Yeah. I, I, I liked that aspect of mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, this part's in spoilers, but I'm going to be vague about it. There's a part where Taryn is trying to help this boat get through a gate and he unlocks the gate and he opens it and then it cuts and he's pushing the boat, and the gate is closed and locked, and has the chain on it. Yeah. And then suddenly it's gone again. Yeah. And just that's bad. That doesn't yeah. look good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, I, my brain went, wait, what did I miss? Wait, no, did yeah, I, the did gate I, was yeah, just closed was, again yeah. suddenly with the chain on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what caused that error. If for some reason the shots got reversed or something, but yeah, it looked. Yeah. Look not good. What do you think this movie would have been like if it were live action? If it were made at the time, probably kind of cheesy. If it were made now, it could be dope. If you made this movie and made it like, like good. And actually, yeah, and actually developed your characters you and can, good lines. And if made you'd it- make it now and you go with the darkness, you can like make a pretty cool fantasy movie. Yeah, you could make that uh, the Horn King terrifying. The Horn King can kill some people. <laughs> he can kill his underlings whenever they make him mad. You don't need Creeper at all. Um, no, you just no. have it be a Darth Vader situation. This constantly he kills whoever's the second in command because yes, they make him mad. Yes. Like, that's how you make him scary. Because, uh, Or you could actually try to give him personality, which could be interesting. But if you want to go with kind of the bones of what's already... Bones. If you want to go with the bones <laughs> of what's bones already there, there, you just... You gotta make him terrifying. You mm-hmm. gotta make us worried about our heroes anytime they are remotely close to this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's that hard to make Taryn, Elanwi, and Fluterflam more interesting characters. Just... Give them a couple more scenes where they, like, show off their personality and talk to each other and stuff. Like, it's not that... It wouldn't be that difficult. Um, I Whoever you cast as the witches, they've got to really ham it up. I feel like that's important for those characters. Um, they got to just... Like, I, I, would, I don't want anyone else to really be hammy. Maybe flute or flame a little bit, but, like, restrained. But they need to, like, almost be like they're in a different movie to really, like, have that 
that weird separation with like it feels like they are not taking anything seriously even though this whole movie has been showing that this is a serious situation you know what i mean yeah I think that, yeah. I don't know. It could be cool. It could also be terrible, of course. But, like, there's a lot of potential here, I think, to make this, like, a really cool dark fantasy thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I still think it probably could have been made live action at the time that they made it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, yeah. Maybe the hardest part would have been the witches. Yeah, and and, and how, how do you... The the horned king. Would you still have gone with him being like a skull guy, and how would that have looked? You could now you could easily a, do a mask see, or something. Yeah, but of, would it look kind of hokey? Like I don't know how good it, it would look. I mean, it I, could. I mean, again, like kind of Star Wars, less science, more fantasy. Yeah. I mean, you have Taryn as this kid who wants something that is naive. I think if this was a 1985 live action movie, I would enjoy it more, even if it was almost exactly the same, but like all of it was live action. Cause it would, it would like, if it had like, you know, these actual sets they were in and it just had these people like actually doing some of these things, it would give it this sense of charm. I think that the move that the animated version just doesn't quite have. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, w- I would have been down for that too. Uh, but a live-action remake in the current day could be really cool if you did it right. Sorry, I'm thinking of Princess Bride, where you have the naive, um, he leaves so naive, and, and Princess Buttercup, I'll love you forever. Uh-huh. And then he turns into the dread pirate, um, and, and, and then he really, he, he becomes a really interesting protagonist. Uh-huh. Of course, this guy, um, Taryn, is much younger, but yes. if you had... You know, hinting at that. You can have him start off really naive and just, you know, this, again, just thinks it's so cool to be, to fight and be assault, you know, be a knight, all that kind of stuff. But then actually really start turning and and seeing, you know. Like, oh, I, this is terrifying. I think and I'm, like, this is. Now that I think about it, Gurgi might have been the hardest part. Oh, you're right. Gurgi <laughs> would be hard life. in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. probably, if he probably, but you could be a cool, like practical puppet guy that oh cool. yeah that'd be fun yeah. yeah yeah i was just thinking of something else <clears throat> you could you could work it you could kill two birds with one stone in helping um taryn develop more and realize that this isn't all you know fantasy and fun and games by having um you know a, a village or something pillaged by the the horn king and whatever and, and seeing seeing it up front yeah, like yeah. The, the pillage of war if you did a live action remake so we already dis- determined just toss creeper he doesn't need to be there yeah yeah toss what are we doing with gurgi cuz i did i was kind of not thinking about gurgi cuz it's real easy to not think about gurgi yeah are we, do we keep him and how, what's, he be what is he like tonally? No, he can't be, obviously. I know. They would like, everyone yeah. would just be like, that's Gollum. And yeah. Like, no. But like, yeah, what, what's, what do you tonally do with Gurgi if you have him in a live action remake? I don't know. Yeah, I think they gotta turn up the cuteness some. Yeah, make and like him. have him be scruffy, but I think they do, they gotta do more to make him more endearing. He's not that endearing. Yeah, yeah. It feels like they want him to be, but they failed. So just yeah. do a better job with that. Yeah, I think they need to give him more situations to be endearing because he was gone for most of the movie, or like gone for chunks of time where you didn't see him. 
And you need more, you need to see him want to help, but pull himself back because he's scared if you want to do the coward thing. That or, like, if Taryn had bargained with Gurgi to, I'll give you the apple if you, like, help me get Henwin back, and then, like, he kind of goes through with as much as he can, but then pulls away. And he's like, that apple's not worth this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Because previously, he, there was no reason for him to go anyway. Right. But if he gave his word to for this bartering, then maybe that would have yeah. made sense. Let's talk about sound design. I don't actually have... I have one note. Uh, the music that played while the magic sword was cutting up cooking utensils and, and pans just seemed weirdly heroic to me. I don't know. Like, I, I get that it was trying to be like, oh, this witch lady thinks this sword looks dope. But it was just like waving around in the air and cutting like mundane items. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it definitely seemed like compared to some of the other times when it was doing things heroically to help them escape. It's like, why does this sword care about these pans? Yeah. It's like, like, why is the music telling me that this is some great triumph that's happening? (laughs) (laughs) They weren't in danger. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird choice. The evil pots that were attacking them. (laughs) Yeah, that was a weird choice. Um, Other than that, I didn't really notice the music that much, other than I guess sometimes it made noises that sound more like retro alien noises than uh, what I associate with fantasy. And I wasn't sure if I liked that, but by the credits, I was like, I can I can vibe with this, so it's fine. Uh, the it was who did who was the composer here? Elmer Bernstein did a good job. Uh, I think I I read that a lot of his work didn't make it into the movie with the cuts and stuff. Um, that there was a lot of his score was kind of chopped up and stuff. Um, and then I think there was like a limited release of the soundtrack close to when the movie came out, but then. I don't know how complete it was and like there wasn't anything else for a very long time until sometime in the like 2010s. I think they finally released like the full score, including stuff that didn't actually make it into the movie. So good for people who care about that. (laughs) Yeah, there was one scene, I think, that maybe the first time he's going into the castle or that they're showing the castle that was like really amped up. But then the next scene just kind of fell flat comparatively it was it was kind of weird like the music was was fine i agree about the alien noises yeah i'm like yeah it felt like i don't know it's weird yeah yeah i did that badly but whatever i'm keeping it (laughs) um but but overall fine yeah it's fine let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after how's it hold up so the fat witch is the salacious like one and in she, combo with and she's not considered attractive because she's fat which is dumb because she's clearly very cute yeah she is adorable she's adorable the but fluter flam is like oh yeah you look great and then this harp snaps and it's like she does though <laughs> like yeah she like, is the bobshell of these three witches clearly yeah. Yeah. it's just it's just disney's Fat phobia nonsense. Like, she's fat, so she's unattractive. Same Even though you seem to have put a lot of effort into making her seem pretty attractive. Um, and then, of course, it's like, the the he gets turned into a frog and he's lost in her cleavage and some stupid humor. that She pulls up her dress at one point so you can see her underwear. Like, it's a whole bunch of, like, 
really weird sexualization for a character that you are claiming is not attractive. It's a lot. Yeah, and it's like, this is false. Yeah. Like, yeah, if... <laughs> You would look in your cleavage. Yes. If you had the boobs, you'd be like, ah, oh, things are falling down there all the time. I quoted you and put Valerie dropping truths. Because, <laughs> yeah, of course she would look there. Come on. Yeah. Not your sleeves. You'd be like, uh, it's probably this these down here. Yeah. Uh, but-, but, yeah, like, that's second fat lady... The first one is the dan- yes. the dancer in the uh, castle. Yeah, who you don't get too much of besides her just dancing. Like, yeah. yeah, but it's just yeah, it's a it's it's so baffling the extent to which both of these characters are sexualized while also like we're supposed to find them repulsive, and it's like. Both at the same time, you have some sort of weird complex and you need to just admit that these ladies are beautiful, but also stop sexualizing them weirdly in a film that doesn't, it's, uh, I don't like any of it. It's bad. I don't like it. And you know what's terrifying to me? It's the thought of this one poor woman in this thing with all these men. It's not even like there was anyone else. Oh, the, the lady who's just, dancing at yeah, the Warren Yeah, like, that's just like yeah. creepy and terrifying to me. Um, and yeah, I mean, and then... And then you start off with um, the princess, and I know I'm not going to say her name. Alonwi. A cute little, um, you know, she starts off, you know, saving um, Taryn and, um, and and having a fairly, you know, little gritty personality. Kind of like, you know. She like like dusts herself off and like yeah. cares about her appearance, but she's still like crawling through catacombs. And, yeah. Like, she but, seems cool. Yeah. And then she was even kind of, again, kind of like, you know, come on, you coming or whatever. And then all of a sudden. He needs to be holding her hand every time they go somewhere, and he needs to be saving her. Or flute or flam, take her to safety. And and then she's damseled the rest of the movie. It's just so infuriating. It's like Disney, knock it off. I mean, let her do something. Yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating. So uh, women aren't treated well in this movie. No. Uh, the the cool the the ones that are are I guess treated the best are the two other witches who like just get to be like weird and kooky and not sexualized weirdly. Uh, I do love the fat witch lady. She's great. She just the film is just clearly not treating her well. Yeah. Anything else for this section? Let's go on to our spoiler alert. Skip to one hour two minutes and thirty six seconds. So, so, Taryn is climbing up and he's going to sacrifice himself to the cauldron. And Alonwi's like, no, don't jump. And Fluterflab says, literally nothing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, you just, you just cool with this man? Like, <laughs> and uh, the reason it's like that is because he did say something and it was cut from the movie. <laughs> Because they just don't want him to, like, have any good stuff besides the very end. Um, Rest in pieces, Gurgi. I don't buy that anyone's actually sad about this. It doesn't seem like you and Taryn were very close, but he's weirdly upset about it. Uh, Coolest part about the Horned King, his death. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That part was dope. He got yes. he got to really become a skeleton and it looked creepy and stuff. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Um, I just... So I love I love Fluterflam's moment at the end, bes- besides like him being like uh uh to the fat lady who flirts with him again. But whatever. Um, I, I like that he kind of gets this moment, even if it doesn't feel that deserved. 
I do. I. It was never going to happen because it's a Disney movie. But I do. I feel like Gurgi should have stayed dead. Yeah. I don't feel like Gurgi should have come back. I feel like Fluterflam should have done his cool thing and they should have gotten Gurgi's body back. But he's dead. And they're like, you guys didn't say he had to be alive. We brought him back. Here he is. And then they just they like bury him and they're like sad. But like they have to deal with, you know, sometimes you lose friends in an adventure and then they go on their merry way or something. Like, yeah. I don't it yeah. felt like that needed to happen, even though I it's Disney. So, of course, they're not going to go there. Yeah, but it, it, it felt weird just him being alive again. I'm like, okay. And then also for the, like, the curse of the cauldron, it's like, okay, if he's does alive. Does this undo it? Exactly. <laughs> or does he come back and he's something else? And it's like, yeah. obviously not. This is Disney. I agree. But, like, the the big question of, like, okay, if he didn't give his life for this, then does that break? What they broke with the cauldron. Is there supposed to be something of a, like, we can bring him back because the Horned King got sucked into you it? You have to go. But he didn't even. want to go in there. Yeah. And he didn't even. Yeah. Like, he didn't even really go into it. His pieces got, like, but he didn't, like, go in. Yeah. 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 No, it it's, like, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter in the sense that they have the cauldron again now. So it's not going to be used. And the king, the Horned King is dead. So, like. But yeah, it raises questions and it just, it feels disingenuous. It's like, why, why though? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Other than because it's Disney and you don't want to kill your fluffy weird creature creature that's there for the kids. But yeah, yeah it just, he should have stayed dead. That's my two cents. Anything else with spoilers? Yeah. Enough with the spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites, but actually... Before that, let's play a little game that is, uh, it's a spelling bee. Uh (laughs) Um, Can either of you spell Taryn's name? Okay, I think, do you want to, can I try? Because I'm not going to, Taryn. Is it T-E-R-A-N? Okay, that's your guess. I think it's T-E-H-R-A-N. No, it is (laughs) T-A-R-A-N. Darn it, and I was going to go with the A, but I was thinking, no, maybe it's Taryn. Okay. Now please spell Princess Alonwi's name. You don't have to spell the princess part, just her last name. I, I don't know if that's her last or first name. I'll, teach, I'll let you go first. This I time think it's I'll like E-A-L-A-W-N-Y. Okay. Alonwin? No, N at the end. No. Alonwi. Alonwi. A-L-A-N-W-N-Y. E wait, I did flip the N and W, didn't I? Ding dang. E E? I don't know. It is E I L O N W Y. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whoa, I was way off. <laughs> and finally we have we have the king, Fluterflam. Please spell <laughs> both of his names. <laughs> okay. Wait, I, no, I, let I, let mom try first. I read this a little bit. Fluterflam? Okay, I'm just this, you're gonna laugh at me. P-F-L-U, is it Fluder or Fluder? It's Fluder Flam. Okay, P-F-L-U-D-E-R-P-H-L-A-M. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I saw some of this yes. in the in, See if the you end. can remember. Yeah, it's like F-F-L-U, I think oh, it's okay. D-D-E-R-F-F-L-A-M. You're the closer one. Uh, it's F F L E W D D U R, and then Flam is F F L A M. 
Oh my goodness. I just did Fluter because it's Flugerville is P-F-L-U. I know. Yeah. That's that's what I wrote down because she was like, how'd you spell it? I'm like, I did like Flugerville and she's like, she said no or something. So yeah. I, yeah. I was looking at it at the end. <laughs> that's funny. Um, that's just a fun little bit because the names are interestingly spelled. Oh, uh, I think, wow. did you say that some of them are, are Welsh in origin? I think it's Welsh inspired. Yeah. yeah that's neat. Let's talk about favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? Uh, the frogs the frog. and the Sorry, boobs. Yeah, I was going to say. The frog and the boobs. I was just about saying the frog and the boobs. Yeah. Jinx. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, please cut that and put back in the part where they try to destroy the culture. Yes. Jeez. Yes. Um, second, my nomination for second is like the whole scene with the fairies because I don't even, I was not paying attention. I didn't care. Yeah. That's literally where I fell asleep and you said, Mom, are you asleep? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, I guess frog and boobs too. That's Yeah, okay. it's pretty egregious. Especially just knowing that other more important things were cut. What was your favorite scene in the movie? Maybe think, in spoilers. I'm oh, sorry. I no, go for it. I think maybe in spoilers, it just really was neat with the cauldron and then what happened to the Horn King. Sure. Yeah, I think I'd agree. That was pretty cool. I think my favorite part, honestly, is besides the frog and boobs thing, the whole scene where they're talking to the witches. I enjoyed myself with the witches a lot. Yeah, I think that's that's it for me. A second for me, real quick, was the opening scene with the kitty cat. Sure, and all of that. that's Just also that cozy good. cozy inside there. And, and also you guys were right so about cute. the scene and spoilers with the Horn King. That was fun. Mm. Um, who was your least favorite character? Oh, I think it's easy for me. Um, um, what's the sidekick's name? Uh, the Creeper? Creeper. Creeper. Creeper has more personality, I think. Yeah. So I think the Horned King is my least favorite. Uh, well, I think especially point. because it's like this big disappointment because he looks really cool. Like, I love how he looks. It, it meets my like kind of horror aesthetic, but like. Uh, still okay for kids vibe which yeah. is like my favorite sort of horror um, because i'm a baby and can't handle warranted yeah. stuff <laughs> yeah, no. um so i like how he looks but he's just so disappointing as a villain i think taryn is mine just because taryn does suck he yeah like he wasn't great in the beginning mean he was uh mean um yeah. He gets the sword from nowhere. Uh, he gets it from the tomb of this cool dead guy that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, his 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 character journey isn't very interesting. Yeah. Who is your favorite character? Can I say the pig? You can say the pig, <laughs> Who? but you have to say the pig's name or else you have to pick someone else. Because, no! come on. <laughs> Henwin. 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 Um, I also, um, what was the bard's name again? Fluterflam. Oh, okay. I, sorry. I was going to say Fluterflam, but for some reason I was thinking that was the king, uh, the fairy king's name, and I was like, it's I'm like going to say that wrong. L- okay. Do you want to try to spell the guy's name? Because it's also spelled interestingly. But yeah, but I just didn't care enough about it. Probably, I guess, Fluterflam, but I really did like the little pig. And I love, it was just a cute. Um. Yeah. Yeah. This anyway. is tough because I know not lots a lot. of the characters don't. I mean, they're not interesting overall. Oh, it's really easy for me, but that's fine. Um. 
Uh, but I don't even remember the witch's name. I know. I think yeah. I can look them up real quick. I, I think they all start with O. Yeah, I saw or, them. Or do Orwin and Orgok. I don't, I don't know, know if it's Orgotch or Orgok. I'm not sure either. Can I change my vote to to the witch, the head witch? Yeah. What's her name? I forgot what Which, her name is. I think the she might be. She might be Ordu, but I'm. I'm. I yeah. think. I think she. Cause I, I think, think. I don't know if any. I don't know if all of their names were said, but I think that they said Ordu at her at one point. So I think she's Ordu. Uh, yeah, my vote is definitely just the witches in general. And if I have to pick That's one, fine. then it's the head. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're, they're just yeah. the most dynamic characters. They are. Yeah. yeah most well developed. They're just by far the most interesting characters in the film. Both they're they're fun. To to watch and I enjoy their scenes besides the frog and boobs thing. Um, and I, I just, what they say about the world is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like that they have such intense power um, that they are able to do something that like should be impossible to most people at the very end of the movie that that it's it's interesting like they're they the fact that they love bargains and like they like cool like at least one of them is real about cool sores like i don't <laughs> they there's a lot of interesting things there that to just easily make them the most interesting part of the film and the only part of the film i really enjoy that much yeah i guess if we can say witches i'll just go with them yeah, if I have to pick one then the head one which i think yeah. is or two but again, I, I like all three of them yeah and i didn't you know, I didn't dislike Taryn and, and the other characters, but they just were not as dynamic or yeah. as well developed. So, yeah, really, the witches um, and the that head witch especially, but was was my favorite. If Tim Curry were in the movie, who would he have played? I, now, I think he could have done a better job as the king. As, as, as the yes, king. but John Hurt is also like a very talented man, and the character's still really boring. Yeah. So, if yeah. they had Tim Curry. And gave him the same voice direction. It's not gonna help. What if he was Creeper? That could be interesting. It would be really weird with that character design, though. Fair. Um, Gorgi. Gurgi? Gurgi. Maybe maybe he would have made Gurgi more... I don't know, though. He's so, he's that's, so, so, that's even more incongruous yeah. than Creeper. Yeah, 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 but yeah, it yeah. kind of makes me love it more. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, he, could, he could pretty easily be the grumpy fairy. Mm. Oh, that's yeah. true. Who, by the way, is also Gurgi's voice actor. Ah. Um, but yeah, he could have easily been that guy. And sure, that sure, could have sure. worked well for him. Or, or, the, or the king. Yeah, he could have been finest. I mean, it's a little bit of a like more, uh, a big mentoring. voice for Dalbin, but yeah, he could do it. Yeah, I don't know if there's any roles beyond the Horn King if they let him go a different direction with it um, that he really fits super well in. But there are things that certainly would be interesting. <laughs> But you know what? I just hate to say that it would have been a waste of Tim Curry this movie if it if it was as it stood and they didn't change anything. Too much of a waste of Tim Curry. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. Um. So yeah, I don't think I would recommend this unless you're you want to just see some of the cult stuff. But like overall, it's it's. Not that great. Like the story isn't the 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 characters within the story just don't do much for me. Um, some of the stuff looked cool. I'm looking creepy. I'm looking at our ratings, and I feel like 
outside of the awful racist things, Peter Pan's probably a better movie, and I didn't rate Peter Pan well because of the racist stuff, but also because the plot was kind of weak. So I feel like this is weaker. So, like, it doesn't have the racist things, but... <sighs> so, overall, it's a pretty weak film. Uh, not to say those who, like, love it as a cult favorite... Yeah, it's fine. You can like whatever you want. <laughs> bad taste or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but just, overall, I didn't enjoy it. It's a shame that it got cut so much like pieces got cut i think that was a huge disservice to the film overall so yeah i guess i'll give it a 1.5 i was thinking very similar is here i wouldn't in general recommend it here's my caveat for recommending it uh since this is uh spookaboo month um if you um are having a halloween celebration it would be a cool movie to have on there there's a lot of uh cool like it it, it's a spooky look but then you wouldn't really have to pay attention to it and you wouldn't be missing a lot yeah one of the ones that you don't like it's not one of the ones you have for later in the night when you're paying attention but you have it but for atmosphere because yeah yeah, especially yeah so so that's my caveat (laughs) and then i think i would rate it i think also 1.5 yeah, I I don't recommend it. I don't think it's very good. Um, I think it would be better with the content that was cut, but it wouldn't save the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. I was I was leaning towards one point seven five, but I'd like don't have a a lot of reason to be above you guys in this. <laughs> like, it's not like I thought it was. I guess I'll go 1.5 also. It's just not very good. I don't... I think it's boring more than it's bad. Um, But a lot of it is just really weak when it feels like it it could easily have been stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, yeah. yeah. And and I would have rated it higher too, if nothing else, for some of the animation and other. But... This, you know, they just didn't, I liked the characters, most of the characters in this, but they just didn't develop them enough. And the storyline, there's just too many, again, no motivation for your villain. Come on. Well, it's something, no, but no, it's not. Yeah, no real. It's no, barely no intelligible. Coherent. You said, you said it well, no coherent Like he states motivation. what it is, but then what he's trying to do doesn't feel like it co- achieves that goal. So it's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, the, uh, the fact this is definitely not to like say anything about the books that it was trying to adapt. I think it, I'm sure those are way better. Yeah. I think it mentioned that it would try to combine like the first couple of books. As the well first as, like, two, I believe. Yeah. Multiple characters. The like, Horned King is apparently composite of several villains. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely not saying anything about the book. I read it when I was super young. Yeah. I don't I remember. remember. I think I enjoyed it, but you know, regardless, uh, yeah, I think it was a function of trying to stuff so much that may be handicapped and just not like having a clear enough direction for what you are using i don't know it's just it's not strong enough to work yeah thank you all so much for listening next time we will be watching i think i think in the last uh main episode i actually uh insinuated the one that is next time instead of black cauldron so my mistake next time we'll be watching a scooby-doo movie (laughs) um it's spoopy because it's scooby-doo and it involves it involves witches there you go 
Uh, spe- especially some singing ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, get, uh, I, I love you. them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll be doing a Scooby-Doo movie next time. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a spooky, spooky month. We yes. love you guys. Thank you for Thank joining you. us on the first episode yes. of our Halloween Spookaboo. Yes. Woo-hoo! And join us for the other yes. two. Yes. Bye. 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 <laughs> love that. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Is the little pig right? Yeah. yeah. Was the was the cat at the end when it showed? I don't know. Oh. I don't think so. Mm. More of that cat. I know. <laughs> <laughs>